The big concept is thinking big is much easier than thinking small. And thinking big, you get a lot more rewards with that. We always talk about how the smaller deals are the bigger pain in the butt deals. They really are. In every single real estate investing we've ever done, it's always worked out that way, 100%. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit Podcast. Heather, it's so great to be here once again. Yes, where we're freezing in California. Yeah, yeah, it's really rough. It was into the 40s this morning. I've got my hand warmers that you gave me for Christmas. <laughs> and depending on where you're at in the country, that probably sounds like we're pretty wimpy. Oh, 100%. Well, at least yeah. you come by it honestly since you grew up in Pennsylvania. So you actually know snow. I do. I do. Mm-hmm. And I know that I don't want any more snow. Right. I don't know. To me, it still looks like so pretty. But we've traveled a few times in the snow. And every single time I'm like, I don't know how people do it. You know, after being out here for mm-hmm. now half my life. Right. Yes. Yeah, half my life. I, I've gotten really soft when it comes to the cold. I mean... You know, I can take it, but mm-hmm. I, I just can't take it as much as I used to. That's for sure. You're not like happily like. But I don't you, enjoy you have it. An, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're just fitting in those California profiles, but are, or, um, yeah. you know, people make fun yeah, of California. Stereotypes. Stere- thank you. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Where, sh- where else should we go with this? But yeah, we've got a lot of them we'll, and we'll address them all on future episodes of oh, the I'm podcast. Oh, I'm sure, 100% sure, right? You do CrossFit, we're vegan. I, I don't yeah. know. We'll, yeah, there's we'll think a lot of some of, other fun stuff. There's a lot of things, yeah. But so we're carrying on the, um, the whole path of like building the best real estate business in 2024. Yeah, exactly. And not just any real estate business, a real estate investment business. Very so, true. Yeah. Very so true. today we're going to be talking about how to think bigger with your real estate investing business. I see so many investors that are. I was going to tease you, but it like it just but, didn't it didn't materialize. Okay, so that's why no. I had that weird look on my face. Well, I see so many investors that are stuck thinking small. Mm-hmm. I want them to think bigger. Okay. Because thinking bigger is actually easier than thinking smaller. Okay. It actually is. No, I mean, it is. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, it's that whole thing you put, you're going to put in the effort anyways. Why not try to maximize it? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the reality of it, right? And if there's a lot of, um, if we can dispel some inaccuracies or untruths or provide support that'll help you get over your sticking points, then sky's the limit. You know, I heard someone said something because everyone's in this whole like better, better me, whatever, that kind of thing. It's the beginning of the year, right? Right. And I just keep circling back onto that whole thing of, you know, you're on your deathbed. Are you going to be looking back and being like, God, I wish I hadn't taken as many risks? I mean, I guess if you're prematurely on your deathbed and it's because you took a risk that you're on your deathbed, mm, then maybe yeah. you'd say, I wish I wasn't. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about in this context, no one's going to be like, I really wish that I hadn't gone as big. Your regrets are going to be like, I wish I would have done yes, that. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. You yeah. know, and then the other one is um, someone's going to do it. So why not you? Like all of our ideas, someone's going to do it. Right. You know, someone's going to do it bigger and better and everything. Why aren't you the one doing it bigger and better? Right. Anyways, okay, go on. So thinking big, the big concept is thinking big is much easier than thinking small. And thinking big, you get a lot more rewards with that. Right. So why not go big? Right. You know, it's funny, though, also, like even just going around our real estate stuff, investments, we always talk about how the smaller deals are the bigger pain in the butt deals. Yeah, they really are. Mm-hmm. It's like... 100% they are. Right. In every single real estate investing we've ever done, it it's always worked out that way. 100%. Also, even selling like online courses and stuff, the cheaper courses. 
and not cheaper in quality, but just cheaper in price. Mm -hmm. uh, those people are the most difficult. It's harder. I don't know. So go on. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, I put together an exhaustive list of things that you need to exhaustive. be thinking about. Well, no, you don't need to be thinking about, but things that I think you should be considering mm -hmm. when, when talking about this topic of how to think bigger with your real estate business. So there's a lot of kind of uh, nuances to, to every step of this. And uh, yeah, we're going to break it down. So okay. you ready to get into it? Yeah, let's get started. Okay. So first of all, you want to think to yourself, what is possible? And how do you know what's possible in whatever niche you are in real estate investing? You know, for us, we're obviously into land flipping. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning, I was searching out there for information of what's possible. Like, what are the biggest people that are doing this business model? What are the, how much are they doing? Like, mm -hmm. how much in revenue? How much in profit? How many deals are they doing? Like, all these different things I was looking at. And I simply couldn't find any information out there. Mm -hmm. Now, I, at the time, I wasn't networking with any people in the industry. I just wasn't tapped in. I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I was going blind at it, you know? And that's, that's really why I started all those income reports, you know, doing the income reports every month, because I knew that there are a lot of people starting in this business or at a certain stage in this business, and they are looking for that same information. They're like, what are the they, same thing. Yeah, like what are other people doing? What kind of deals are they doing? How much are they doing? Like what's possible? Mm -hmm. You know, because I'm always thinking about like what's possible. Well, you're competitive, so you like to see other people so you know who you, do, you need to, not necessarily who you need to be, but what you need to be, right? right? Whereas I don't look at it that way. I look at it like as what do I want to have? And then I think, okay, what do I need to do to get there? The reverse engineering thing, which is on here. Oh, is of course it is. That's one of yes. our favorite things to do. But, um, but yeah, I, so I look at it like, okay, well, if you want to be making like, your goal is that you want your profit to be a million dollars a month. Well, what do we need to do to get there? Mm -hmm. But you like to look at it in a, which is funny because um, I'm more practical than you are, but you looked at it as a practical way of saying like, okay, what are people doing? Or at least what can, you know, if they're doing that, I can do at least that. Right. And then I can build from, from there. Right. So at the beginning I had nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, I, I just knew like there was no information about people, like how many deals they were doing or anything like that. And I, and I searched all around and I was always looking for this stuff. But so people I, are shy about that. Kind they of, are. They're not shy. And I, they... I understand. You probably don't want to take it to the level where I do, where I post my income every month on the internet. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> so, we, we were used to doing that already right. from, from other stuff. So to us, it's fine. I mean, it does. It opens you up to criticism. I don't know. People are, why are you doing that? If you mm -hmm. show that other people are going to want to do it. Like, yeah, no, no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no bad word. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's exactly it. So, but also if, if you mention something like that, you have to tell people where to find it. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, like, where to well find first of all, it's in our, our community, our mm -hmm. land conquest community. Simply go to landconquest.com. And in the classroom section of the community, there are every single monthly income report, which I've done for the last two years. And I spent this whole last weekend kind of filming a new income report. I'm a month behind. So I filmed the November 2023 one this weekend and probably next weekend I'm going to do the December one and then I got to do a year end wrap up and lots of content. But, okay. <laughs> but you'll see them all on our YouTube channel as well. It's kind of like a, an abbreviated version. You'll see the full written um, version with all the deals that we do and everything in the classroom section of that community. My first you know, piece of advice here is to pick someone that is doing the type of business you want to be doing. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, you know, the level of, of business that you're doing could be someone you find on the internet, could be someone that you're networking with, you know, kind of, kind of pick someone, identify them 
and study them. Yeah, show up at their door. Ask. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't do that. No, yeah, but like do the deep dive. Like mm-hmm. you know, see see what what they're saying, what they're talking about. A lot of people, even if they don't come out and say it, they drop hints everywhere. You can kind of piece together stuff right. like, you know. Right. Yeah. Identify people that are, you know, ahead of where you want to be, you know, or where you want to take it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be just one step ahead of you. It could be could be 10 steps ahead of you. You know, like this is what I aspire to. And then maybe you can, you know, fill in the gaps with, with other people that are ahead of you to kind of gain that momentum to, to build up to that level. So first of all, identify them, study them. And then the biggest thing about it is, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of components here, but one of the biggest things, and it all starts with marketing, is the lead generation. Mm-hmm. So you need to basically see what kind of lead generation they're doing or get a, get an idea of what type of lead generation they're doing so you can then do that type of business that they're doing. Right, that's true. You need to figure out where they're, how they're getting their sales or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Their deals, yes. Their deals or whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. And people actually are pretty open to talking about stuff. Like, I think it's funny because you love talking about real estate. If someone walked up to you on the street and was like, what's land conquest? You would go, you know, and like, oh, I love real estate. Like, and you would talk to them for hours. Oh, yeah. I probably would be like, <laughs> we got it. You know, I'm pretty friendly to, to a point, but you, I, I could be like, okay, Pete, I'll pick you up in three hours. And you'd be cool with that. So it's funny that if you find somebody that's kind of enthusiastic about what they're doing, ask them questions. Right. I mean, worse they're going to be like, I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Who no cares? No foul, right, whatever. Exactly. But you might actually meet someone who's like, oh man, I love it. This is what I do. I'll, I'll show you everything. Yeah. Probably you wouldn't know? start with like, hey, how much you make a year? You know, you might want to build to that question. I mean, you could, that'd be a little weird, but mm-hmm. yeah. Some people might tell you. I don't know. Yeah, I, that's, that's actually kind of funny. Some really, or some would tell you a number that might not be true. But but yeah. Anyways, you can pretty much filter out the BS pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Well, some people can. I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I believe people what they tell me. So that's why you have me. Yes. So I you know I believe everyone at face value what mm-hmm. they say what what comes out of their mouth or what they write. You're not the same. You're a little more skeptical. I'm always skeptical. But we also have like a I don't like that's that's my one thing I can't handle is people who don't tell the truth for good or bad. I need you to tell me the truth. So it's like kind of my thing. So now I hold everyone to that, but I'm skeptical because of that. You know, and, and from, from that, um, talking about that subject, you know, I've had people kind of like challenge me over time about the income reports and everything we're doing and kind of question if they're real Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I, that concept is so foreign to me because I just, I, I, you know, what you see is what you get type thing with mm-hmm. me. So I'm not, uh, I'm not fudging any numbers or doing anything crazy like that. It's like, it is what it is. And, you know, I, I do it a lot for my own pushing myself, you know, as much as I am for uh, putting it out there for everyone else too. So. Right. Well, we have like a, a family understand. We don't do like, we tell the truth. That's just like our family thing. So when people do that, I think you do take it like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, we're also very specific in that that we don't list all the expenses, too. So, yeah, it's right. Yeah. I mean, like if you just look at that without you know thinking about like mm-hmm. all the expenses that we have in the business mm-hmm. and we, we have a lot, you know, and obviously what we're doing is we're investing a lot of our profits into expanding our business, our team, right. more marketing, you know, like all this kind of stuff in order to to build a better foundation and to, to keep it growing. You know, Amazon is a perfect example of that. And I know we're on a different level than Amazon, but Amazon, you know, Just reinvested <laughs> all of their profits for many, many years. I don't even know, are they turning a profit now? Yeah, and it was all about growth. Mm-hmm. And obviously you see what they created by doing that. They weren't concerned about showing a profit, you know, to their investors or 
stockholders, they were concerned about growing the business. Different different way to look at things. So right. I mean, if you had your way, we would have no profit. Right. But you right. really would. And I, I'm like, no, you we, know, need. we need enough to we need enough to live the lifestyle we want to live. And then everything else goes back into the business to grow it. And I'm a little different. I like to have some savings. But but also, are you suggesting we live in a garage? Hmm? Uh, no, not live in the garage. We did before. Did we live? in? Oh, actually, that's true. We did live in my parents' garage when um, when we brought home our youngest. Yeah, I'd yes. been in the hospital for months and months. And they converted it to an apartment for yes. us. So it wasn't. We weren't like living. No, like, and it was only a couple months, but it, that was very nice of them because um, that sure beats living in a hospital, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, thank you for that fun memory. I was like, what are you talking about? But So I guess there are a lot of similarities between us and Jeff Bezos, right? Oh, um, well, I mean, like, didn't they He get a divorce from his oh, wife? Yeah. And, okay, moving on. <laughs> Uh, okay, so lead generation. All starts with lead generation. You got to be doing a lot more lead generation to do a lot more business. I think a lot of people lose lose track of that. Um, team. Team is another big thing that you need to be considering if you are going to get past whatever level you're at or to invest uh, into or to uh, think bigger, I guess, as a real estate to investor. Scale. To scale, you have to have a good team behind you. Right. There's just no way. There's you can't no do other it by way. Yourself. No, I mean, no, you really can't. And, and that's something that I had to kind of push through because I'm like, we can do this. We've got, you know, but there's, even if you could, there's only so much time in the day and you, you still need to be a part of your family. You, you know what I mean? Like you have to sleep, mm -hmm. you know, but you get the right people and it's, and it's, it makes all the difference in the world. You know, I'm in a phase right now where we're obviously really trying to grow our businesses, mm -hmm. both the um, investment side of, you know, our, our real estate investment business and then also our uh, education business associated with that. So I'm working seven days a week and I have for a long, long time. I don't wanna be doing that forever though. Right. Uh, we've been working hard over this past year to, to build out our team and to build out a structure which allows me to get out of a lot of the day-to-day -day parts of the business. Mm -hmm. So we've been making great strides in that, um, but, uh, but we're not there yet. And uh, uh, you know that's kind of the, the goal that, uh, that we're working towards, so. Right. I want to travel. Again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we need to travel. We used yeah. to travel like half the year. So that would be fun. But the cool thing is that with this business is that we could, as long as we have the right people doing um, the a lot of the day to day stuff, we can travel like we used to even, which we won't be, but mm -hmm. um, and do this our part from anywhere. Mm -hmm. In fact, we could do all of this from anywhere. And that's a, a common question that you get asked, like, do I need to have an office? Do I need to have all this kind of stuff? And, you know, do I have to be where the where the properties are, where, you know, where I'm investing? And the answer is no. no. You can do it from anywhere. So, yeah. But but what you need to do is build up that team to do more of the day to day so that when you're traveling, you don't have to be just in a hotel room in a new city. Yeah. And you don't see the city. You know, going back on this, when you're looking at someone that's doing the types of business that, that, that you want to be doing, you look at their lead generation, you look at their team, look at the types of deals that they're doing, mm -hmm. and um, see what's possible and kind of program your brain in order to think that way. You know, don't get stuck in this thinking like, oh, you know, a person like me should be just, you know, capable of doing this. No, like, who's to say the person like you, you know, like, Who's to say you can't be capable of doing what this other person's doing? That know? goes back to that whole, if someone else is doing it, why can't you, you know, why right. not you? And then then the big part of it is reverse engineering. Okay, so you want to be doing $10 million a year? You wrote reverse engineering. Yeah, I, I should, I should like, spell check it. And I felt like a complete idiot sitting here because I was like, I have no idea what that concept what, is. What a reverse engineer is? I thought. Not for sure you were going to like, you know, explain this new concept. Okay, so reverse engineer makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. so you got to do the math. Mm -hmm. And reverse engineering is simply about doing the math. Like, right. 
Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that you can join our community for free at landconquest.com. Inside, you'll get all the resources, training, and support for building a thriving land flipping business. Once again, that's landconquest.com. All right, enjoy the rest of the show. You know, how much business are they doing? What's your conversion rate? Like, how much mail do you need to send in order to do a certain number of deals? Like, you need to figure out the math component, do the math, and then put those processes in place to make that happen. Meaning the lead generation, it all starts with the lead generation. Right. Just it, it's simplified. It's what's it going to take to do that? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then do it because it's yeah, great to figure it, it out. But then you say, OK, where do I need to go? Yep. So when we're talking about lead generation, you know, um, there are a lot of different ways to generate leads. So in as a real estate investor, you have a lot of different choices. You may have one thing that's working really well for you. Um, your kind of options are with that is to scale up the, the quantity of that lead generation, you know, like say you're sending mail, like send out more mail, Mm -hmm. you know, then the other thing uh, about scaling that is to actually look into other ways to generate leads as well and scale all those individual things. Maybe you try cold calling and that doesn't work, but then you try paper click and that does work. Or maybe you're, you know, super good at texting or you put a good system in place for that. Or maybe you do two TV ads, you know, and then you take all those individual components, see what works, uh, know your numbers Increase those ones that, that are working to a point where you can't increase them anymore, and then uh, and then keep going from there. You know, we started doing all that. Mm-hmm. We now do we do direct mail, which we've done, and then we do cold calling, and then we also do pay per click. Kind of, yep, you're our top cold caller on the team. Yes, yes, that's that's absolutely not the truth. But we don't um, we don't actually have people on our team that do it ourselves, but we hire a service. Right. Okay. Course, yeah. So are we every single lead that comes in? Are we like asking? Like, are we figuring out exactly where they came? Yeah, from? Yeah, we know exactly where they came from. Mm-hmm. And then, how often are you looking at the metrics? Like, how long once are week. you once we? And then, but to make a decision to keep this, is what I'm getting at is, are we doing 90 days on each of these? What, like when when are you looking at it to say, okay, this is working, this is not working, and are you doing it based off of cost per lead? Are you doing it cost per deal? Like, how are you managing these metrics? Very good questions, Heather. Uh, You know, I think we need to give these, you know, lead generation things a little bit of time, because obviously, the first month or so is kind of like figuring it out, like, okay, we need to change this, need to change that, like Mm -hmm. doing some some quick changes in order to kind of make it work with what we do. And then it's just a matter of tracking those results. And if you see deals coming in, that's the most important thing to me. It's not leads. Leads are, you know, there's different quality leads. So it's hard to kind of compare, you know, cold calling leads with direct mail leads. The direct mail leads where we send out actual offer letters, like those are much better leads than Mm -hmm. cold calling leads that are just like, oh, yeah, I'd sell, you know, and they may sell, they may want to sell, but for a retail price, you know, like, so you're going to have a much better shot at putting together a real deal with a direct mail lead in the way that we do it rather than one of the cold call leads in the way we do it. It's just about figuring out your numbers over time and then kind of making that decision. Like the biggest metric I look at when evaluating these different lead generation uh, avenues is cost per deal. So like how much does it cost us in whatever we're doing to generate those leads per deal? And, you know, obviously uh, we make a good chunk of money on our average deal or average deal last year ended up being about $30,000 in gross profit per deal. Mm -hmm. So in reality, even if I had to spend $25,000 in in order to get a $30,000 deal, it would probably make sense. Do I want to spend anywhere close to that? No. (laughs) Direct mail has been, historically, it's been about $3,500 worth of mail in order to get a deal. 
So that's kind of the benchmark that I go by. And if cold calling cost us $10,000 to get a deal, then I'd probably just devote more money to mail. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of knowing your numbers, tracking them, and then making those decisions accordingly. And then so. what are the early results looking like? The, I know this the direct mail is good. <laughs> it's not uh, on your the paper. The direct mail is very constant for us. <laughs> it's, it's a great uh, way to generate deals. Pay-per-click has been uh, really good for us as well. Uh, we've gotten a lot of deals uh, from that as well. Uh, we've had to change some systems and things internally in order to respond to these people as quick as possible because they're different leads than, mm -hmm. than a direct mail type lead. And then also cold calling. Uh, we've been getting a lot of leads with cold calling. So not as many of those have turned into deals. So they've been taking a lot of time for our team to kind of filter out a lot of those non-motivated sellers. So we're working on that pro those processes to see if it's simply a matter of finding a better way to process those leads or if it's just too not as productive as some of the other lead sources. Because we have um, actual like manpower that goes Right, yeah, that. we get to pay our people you know to, to handle all those leads. Maybe so. we could talk about this next week, like do a whole episode. I don't know if we have something planned, but I'd love to go into all these different things just to give a little insight into what we're learning. That would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah, I don't have a lot of like solid data. That's why I haven't like mm -hmm. really shared a lot yet. But, but, that's but we okay. can start going into some of the preliminary stuff. Yeah, Because I have a lot of questions asked. But I think it, one of the things that you pointed out was really important is that I had to do something where I needed something um, this past week. And it I initiated it online. And it was like you'd get like a quote in three minutes. And every single one of them was like I submitted. It and there's like, oh, we'll get back to you. And I was like, wait a minute. You said I'd get a quote in three minutes. And I ended up going with the one that got back to me the quickest. Speed to lead, Heather. Right. And and it's a big deal. So if someone's initiating, like clicking that link online, it's probably the same kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Like they're in the moment. They wanted, you know what I mean? They want information. And then the longer that distance is until we can contact them, things happen. I, I just thought of a great, well, not a great idea, but right. I just thought of an idea while we're talking about that. Like maybe adding a team member that can, their only job is to respond to these people right away and make another connection. Right. Even so. if, and that's the thing I, I, someone, even if they had just come back to me and been like, Hey, I received it. Not their, not their stupid bots. Mm -hmm, you know what I mean? Right. Like, like this is right. to acknowledge receipt of your inquiry. No, I'm like, Hey, thank you for that. And then ask some questions. So it made me, even if this person isn't in a place to do anything other right. than just say like, okay, here's just the to next gather steps. information. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. I got all this information and, and then give them like, we'll be getting back to you tomorrow at blah, blah. Right. Yeah, or or schedule then take that per, take and schedule oh, an appointment with, yeah. with the acquisition manager that will negotiate the deal with them. Yeah, so, that yeah. would be even better, like an actual yeah. time. So, and that's actually something that we could out, outsource, you know, text or email responses to. It doesn't have to be on a phone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big things to think about. Okay, we got off track a little mm -hmm. bit. Okay, so the other thing is, first of all, you got lead generation. The other thing to think about when thinking bigger in the real estate investing business is the deal size. So this is a this is a very big thing, yeah. and I see people get stuck in this trap, like. What normally happens in the land space is there are investors that go down this path of like, hey, I'm going to buy these really cheap pieces of land. Like, I'm going to buy this piece of land for 500 bucks and I'm going to sell it for 2,500 bucks. Mm -hmm. And it's like intoxicating to them because they're like, I five times my money on this deal, you know? Right. But but in reality, you know, when you got expenses and everything like that, they maybe made like 1,000, 1,500 bucks mm -hmm. on that deal. So in an absolute way, you know, obviously the the, pro the return on investment is amazing. When you look at that percentage return on investment, it's amazing. But then when you're looking at the absolute profit or the amount of money that you're, that you're actually making, it's impossible to really scale it to the level that you're going to want to scale it to. You know, for instance, you know, we've done a number of months this past year where we've done 350000 or so in gross profit per month. And if I was making, a, you know, 
thousand dollars per deal that would be like nearly impossible at this point stage of the game to to sell like 300 350 of these pieces of land you know like it's just so much logistics involved in order to get that done first of all you got to buy that many pieces of land Mm -hmm. but then you're going to have to like you know manage all these different transactions and every all these moving pieces and believe me like what we talked about these buyers of these properties are going to be uh much higher maintenance than the ones that are buying the bigger, more expensive piece of land. So I'd rather just sell one piece of land that where we make a $350,000 profit rather than 300, 350 pieces of land where we make a $1,000 profit. Right. Well, it'd be impossible for you to do it yourself. Like that's humanly impossible if you're doing it right. Right. Because this isn't just like, you know, throwing up an online store and putting these things in and people just check out. No, because it's actually a real property. There's things you have to do. Even if, even if you don't go through an escrow or title, you still have deeds you need to take care of. Yep. It would be humanly impossible for you to do 300 in one month and still be buying 300 in one month. There, No. So yep. that means you need to hire team members. Okay, great. Now your profit has just gone down to like, God only knows what, you know? I know. And it takes the same, for the most part, the same amount of effort. Yeah. Um, do you think it's a, a self-confidence issue? It's a scarcity. What do you think it is that drives? I mean, I think that, that they're great intros if you get into land doing stuff like that, maybe like that kind of gives you a, a taste of it. If you come that direction, hopefully most people aren't are coming through the funnel of going to do larger properties with larger profit, but it, there's certain people that are going to come in through that funnel. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's risk. Uh-huh. You know, I think it's, I think people want to minimize risk and they're like, okay, I can, I can stand to lose 500 bucks, mm-hmm. you know, if something goes wrong. All right. So I think it's that. <laughs> I think a lot of people are intoxicated by that, return on the I investment like tripled figure. tripled my money or quadrupled. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like how could you, how could you not do that? And in, re- in regular everyday life, like if you had something for $500, say you had a, you know, uh, I don't know, something is $500 <laughs> five, and yeah. someone wanted to pay you $2,500 for it. You'd be like, yeah, you do that all day long. Right. But, uh, but it's really not that scalable. So, mm-hmm. so I think that's, I think, uh, I think it's just a, a change in mindset a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with doing bigger deals, you know, the, you don't even have to use your own money to do them. So I, I don't really use that as a... Well, some people do. They think, I don't want to risk my own money. I just don't have that money. Or mm-hmm. I'm going to spend money on doing this. Or my partner says, absolutely not. I need to find a way to... Right. So what do they do? Well, they go to partnerwithpete.com. Very so good that's, that's a uh, funding program that we've started uh, recently. It's been super, super successful. We've done a lot of deals so far mm-hmm. with with investors with land investors and uh, we're just excited to to expand this business and 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 do a lot more over the coming year so what what you do is you go ahead and get yeah, into the so, nitty gritty so basically what we do is the investor brings the deal uh, if it's a deal, we evaluate it. If it looks like a good deal. Then we agree to fund the deal, meaning we use our own money to close and purchase the, the transaction. We actually plug it into our team, use all of our processes, everything we've got set up to bring it all the way to the uh, to the point where we resell the property for a profit. When it resells, we split the profits 50-50. So there's no downside for the investor, only upside, and uh, and it's a win-win situation. Partnerwithpete.com. Partnerwithpete.com. Okay. So just to wrap up the whole deal size thing, so it's much better to do bigger deals where you make more money per deal rather than smaller deals, right? So if you think bigger, think bigger deal size as well. The other thing that you can think about when thinking bigger with the real estate investment business is the quantity of deals. So I think that's, you know, the kind of the first go-to for a lot of people. It's like, I got to do more deals, mm-hmm. right? So 
Are you looking to scale your land flipping business quickly? Well, we're happy to present our new cutting edge system built specifically for land flippers. Take a look at the Land Conquest business system today and you'll gain full access to a customizable pre-made website, CRM, dedicated phone numbers, text automations, 24-7 support, and more. It's basically a business in the box. Go to software.landconquest.com to learn more. So obviously uh, more money per deal that you make and obviously more of those deals. Uh, and that's just a simple multiplication uh, thing right there. But right. doing more deals means more lead generation. Right. <laughs> so, I thought you form. said quality. I thought that said quality. It does. Oh. It says quantity, but quality would go into that as well. Yeah. You know, like I think that kind of goes back to what we we're just talking about. Like, like don't limit yourself on a certain type, you know, but also don't try to force a deal. So you want to look for the quality properties, higher quantity, because the quality properties you're going to make more money from too. Yeah, and that that segues into our next thing, which oh, really? is types of deals. Oh, yes. that's funny. Yeah, so we're thinking the same on this. Yeah, I mean, the types of deals you do uh, probably will have to shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, you know, maybe you're you're going to think think bigger than just you know buying a single infill lot and then reselling it for a certain profit margin. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe you're going to be doing some subdivision projects. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're going to be, you know, if you're if you're a land investor, that is, you know, maybe you're going to be doing some, you know, types of things that are a little bit more creative, you know, like property with a, you know, a house on it with a, a lot of acreage and you sell the house off separately and, and then you subdivide the, the land into separate parcels, you know, like think bigger, think bigger types of deals and better projects like that. And ultimately you'll make more money. Right. I like when we do ones where you buy it and. It, like we've had ones with houses, but even without just where you buy it and you separate one piece, like say you're going to subdivide it to five or something, you sell one off and that covers like the whole purchase. Oh yeah. Those are great. You yeah. know, so there's expenses going into it that you still, we have to, you know, clear paths or whatever driveways we've done and also Surveying, you know. so, yeah, the engineering. And then maybe we get septics for each of them if it's needed. So there's things that go into it, but your initial purchase and sometimes all those expenses can be if you're willing to put the time into it and do it. And people say, well, why wouldn't the original person do this? Mm-hmm. Well, they don't want to. No. They, and, and we've talked about it a million times before. Like to them, that's that you might as well be asking them to hike. Mount Kilimanjaro. That is exactly what I was going to say, but I was worried I'd mispronounce it. That's exactly what <laughs> yeah. I was thinking in my head. That's, well, I'm here for you, Heather. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and so you can kind of look at, I, I like those ones, but maybe you'd be scared to do those ones before. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're like, oh, I don't know. That's, that's going to be a lot of steps. Well, yeah, it is going to be a lot of steps, but look at the return. And if you want to crush your goals, that might be uh, that might be necessary. Also, crush your goals. Yes, crush them. Where did that come from? Yeah, and and uh, you know this goes back to kind of seeing what other investors are that are that are ahead of you in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, what are they doing? You know, right. like what what types of deals are they doing? You know, mm-hmm. study that stuff. And then if you don't know about it, you know, like do as much research as you can. But ultimately, at some point, you're going to have to dive in and figure out a lot of that stuff as you go. I mean, like you, you could do as much research as you can uh-huh. to kind of get yourself up to speed. Right. But you will ultimately learn a lot more by actually doing it. Right. Well. And we've said this before, too. Like if you're thinking of doing lot splitting or anything, call the county or the city or whatever. Ask them questions. They'll tell you. Flat out say, I've never done this before. Is this something I can do? You know? I, I always use that approach. You know, like I put myself in a position where like, hey, I don't know anything about this. Mm-hmm. Like swallow your pride. Right. A, you know, I know that a lot of people, not, you know, I used to think this way as well. Like, oh, I don't want to make it seem like I don't know what I'm doing. It's better to just address that up front. Just say, hey, I, I really don't. I don't know what I'm doing on this. 
So I'm hoping you can help me out with this. I've got this property. I want to split it up. Like, what do I have to do? Yeah. Do you think it'll, do you think it'll happen? Yeah. Like, what are my odds of getting this approved? Yeah, like, exactly. What kind of stuff could get in my way from mm-hmm. making this happen? Yeah. And you know, 90% of the time they're, what they tell you is true. So no, we've had a couple times where they've been like, yeah, should be no problem. And it was problem. Mm-hmm. But most of the time they'll tell you like flat out, like, yeah, this is going to be way difficult. Here's what you'd have to do and all this kind of stuff. But if you want to do it, I think you could do it by doing X, Y, Z. Or they'll be like, hey, the process is is pretty easy, very relaxed here. It's just me and, you know, Joe working in this office and we can help you and, you know. Yeah. I, I just as a little side oh, yeah, note, I, I called uh, at the beginning days of, of my land flipping, I was doing some of these calls myself and mm-hmm. I was calling up one county in Georgia and I remember it was funny. I was calling to find out an answer about, I don't know, like what we had, like if they would allow a mobile home on a property or something like that. So I was calling up and I was talking to the lady on the phone about it. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just easy. You just come in. It's an over-the-counter permit and you just come in and fill it out. I go, OK, well, well thank you very much for all your help. Now, who would I talk to about the <laughs> uh, septic systems? How do I get that approved and everything? And she's like, oh, you, you'd talk to uh, you would talk to the, you know, our, our um, you know, environmental health department. I go, who's, who's the contact for that? Well, well, I handle that one, too. <laughs> You're like, Thanks it's just for me and it. it's just me and uh, Francis that are in the yeah. office. And that's it. Right. I know. It's yeah. 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 Well, at least she didn't say, hold on. Le- hold on. Let me patch yeah, you through. Or, on, let me, uh, let me uh-huh. put you through. Yeah. Or like, OK, you want to call this number and like, yeah. hi, it's so-and-so. I, know. I just thought it was so funny yeah. because it's so different out here in, right. in California. Like um, if, if you want to get anything done, you've got uh, multiple, multiple layers of people that you need to speak to in different departments and different buildings mm-hmm. and different parts of the county. And it's crazy in this. Right. Anyhow, risk. OK, risk. You know, this is a big one. So in order to think bigger, you want to think bigger. But you don't want to take a lot more risk. So you need to do it in a way that's... We call it calculated risk. Don't gamble. Right. Make educated decisions. Yeah, exactly. So... Did I just steal your thunder? First of all, well, there's a that comes into it. I mean, more leads means you're not stretching for deals. So I know it all comes back to leads. But if you've got Mm -hmm. a a very finite supply of leads, you're going to find yourself wanting to... Fit oh. that, that square peg in a round hole. If you so. have more leads, you won't be stretching for deals. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Get more leads in. You'll have the better deal flow and you'll be able to pick better deals going forward. Right. And so. you're not going to feel like you're having to force a deal. Force You never want right. to force a deal. You know. And I found myself doing that at the very beginning. It was like, okay, like the first lead that came in. In, in my land flipping, because I was like, this this will work. And I was looking at the absolute top comps. Right. And I was like, oh, I could sell it for this. And, you know, you're just looking at things the wrong way. You should be looking at the worst case scenario rather than the absolute best case scenario. Right. Because it's like a scarcity mindset. I, I got this lead. This, mm-hmm. this person actually wants to sell. I want to buy. I can't let it go. I can't let it go. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah. So <laughs> stick to your criteria. If mm-hmm. a deal doesn't feel right, then simply don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't do the deal that doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. It's your gut trying to tell you that you shouldn't be doing right, this Right, even deal. if you can't pinpoint it. Mm-hmm. Although- I, I, had a, I had a really good one come in. Well, I don't know if it's a really good one or not. I had a deal partner bring a deal. Just this morning, I got an email about it, and we've been going back and forth on it. And on that one, I just said, hey, I don't I don't feel comfortable on this deal. It's a, it's a larger deal, but I just can't find good comps. I mean, it makes sense that the property would be worth what, what we think it could be worth, mm-hmm. but I just don't know. And... I could roll the dice and say, oh, everything's going to be great and it's going to work out. But I've done that in the past and sometimes it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it does. Right. But I like to have things where I know 
what the property is worth, or at least I feel relatively certain what the property's worth, and then I'll go for it. But but the ones where, where something's telling me like, I don't know. I, I just want to, you know, I, I just want to, you know, move on to a deal where I feel more confident. So that's about it. Right. Then maybe I'm giving up a lot of money. I don't know. But yeah. But how many times will you do that? Let's say, you know, it's like, where does that, where's that balance? Because sometimes you're going to do, you know, maybe you'll do exponentially better you know, or really well, but then you're going to have some that are complete stinkers and, and you might end up losing money. Right. So that's just not how we do it. But that's why we have really like we have guidelines because it's really, it's a lot easier to make decisions about these properties when you're unemotional and you're, you have your guidelines. So my guideline says that if you don't have excellent, you know, comps, we don't do it. Even if our gut tells us that it might be great yep. because we're following our guidelines. And so you need to create your own guidelines so that when you're in these situations where you're questioning it, you say, that's just not what I do. Yep. That's my business model doesn't allow that. Yep, exactly. Be careful with leverage because leverage can be great when things are going up, but it can be bad when things are going down. So mm -hmm. if you are using leverage, meaning you're borrowing money from family and friends or something like that, just be real careful that, that you're using it on deals where you feel really confident about. Right. You know, so you can you can grow with leverage, but you just want to make sure that you're using it wisely. Just be conservative. Right. That's be conservative. All. Yeah. So knowledge is power. That's another important thing. So Invest heavily into your due diligence process. Now, this is something that, that's really evolved over time in our own investing business, and we've gotten a lot more professional on this. At the beginning, I was doing some really basic due diligence, and I'm really lucky that things worked out the way they did because I didn't have it, like, an extensive research process in all these properties. Then start, things started to come up where I'm like, oh, I wish I would have known that ahead of time. You know, and I didn't, I haven't lost the money on any of these deals, but, but I know it'll come at some point, but I'm trying to minimize that by making sure our due diligence process is ex as exhaustive as possible. So if you want to become a professional investor, build out a really um, thorough due diligence process. So that's really the true difference between a professional investor and an investor that is just winging it and getting lucky. Yeah. That goes along the same kind of things you should in, you know, uh, I'm an investor that does X, Y, Z, and you have your whole checklist. Um, you have that. Do you have a checklist in, in our in course? In Land Conquest yeah. course, yeah. Yep. Okay, so you can pretty much jump ahead from what Pete did from not doing enough to doing, you know, much better in that, um, in Land Conquest. That's in at landconquest.com yep. in the community, right? Yeah, There's in the classroom section of the community. Okay. You'll see the full course, which we give away at no cost to all of our members. And it's a course where... You'd likely pay thousands of dollars for uh, for it from you know another education provider. Right. We're giving it away for free because I want to partner with deals uh, with you, and maybe join our mentorship program. Yeah, so. and here's the thing: it it makes sense. Why why are you giving this away for free? Well, if you if we're hoping to partner with you on it, we need to train you to be able to do to get the really good deals. Right. It makes complete sense, but people still get hung up on it. But here's the thing: is that you can also just take this course. You don't have to partner with us. No. It's fine. Maybe you'll join the mentorship program, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like a, a round. Am I using the wrong, uh, to, what's it called? The gauntlet. The gauntlet. He's got different names. For or the round table. Or the round table, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just be around like-minded people to kind of raise yourself up a lot quicker and it comes with other stuff. But I think that's important to point out is that if you have systems in place, scaling is a lot easier. Yep. Yep. And you'll, you'll build these systems as you go. Mm -hmm. The other thing you'll build as you go is a team. Right. So if you think bigger, you got to build that team. You're not going to be able to think big enough uh, by doing just everything yourself. You want to build one piece at a time as you have a need for something, as you want to get something off your plate. 
you build, uh, you find a team member to help you out with that. That's right. exactly how I built. Like I, I had to get rid of these jobs that were consuming all of my time. And I figured like, okay, I'm at the point where I can train someone to replace me in this. Mm -hmm. And then we just grew from there. Right. So. Start with what you don't like to do and what you're not as good at. Right. So you need to identify like, what do I hate doing? What's, mm -hmm. What is the task that I absolutely hate doing? And then you also need to look at it and say, what is the task that I'm, you know, wh where are my strengths? Do those last, yeah. theoretically. And where are the ones that, you know, maybe are bad on the phone? Right. Hire and, and that's an easy, you know, that's a, I know a stumbling point for, for a lot of investors. They don't want to talk to people on the phone and that's fine. Um, you can definitely hire someone to handle that process for you. I've so. never talked to anyone on the phone. That's right. I just have you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Pete, I need you to make a call for me. Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So the, the common kind of like sticky points are all, you can get over them. You can get through them. Yeah. yeah. And we talk about in, in the course and also in the community. Yeah. And um, the mentorship program, the round table specifically is all about you know, scaling your business and turning it into a professional operation. Right. So. And you say, you know, reinvest profits into your team and um, more marketing. Mm -hmm. It's a balance. Yeah, because you you need to be growing. You, you need those team members to grow. However, you also need that money. The majority of your money should be going to marketing. Yeah. Okay. That's right. What's our last point here? Do you have a great deal under contract? We'll submit it to partnerwithpete.com. The Partner With Pete program is a deal funding program where we will actually use our funds to complete the purchase of the property. We will do every other step of the process, including the due diligence, the transaction side, the marketing side, and the transaction on the resale side. And when all the dust settles, we will split the profits 50-50. There is no downside for you as an investor, only upside. So once again, go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and let's get it funded. Okay, well, the last thing, oh. goals and habits, and we had a whole episode last week about atomic habits for real estate investors. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a deeper dive into the subject, but really, you need to, to set some big goals. Once you identify like, hey, I can do this, or like, this is possible in this business, you gotta set those goals. They have to be realistic, uh, and they also have to be very clear, but the big thing is that you need to actually put the habits in place to actually reach those goals. And in this business, it all starts with the lead generation like we've talked many times. So you got to reverse engineer, figure out what type of lead generation that you need to be doing in order to hit those types of numbers that you want to hit. And then make sure you stick with it. You know, don't just say it. Make sure you actually do it. Send out that quantity of mail. Spend this amount of budget and pay-per-click. Spend this amount of budget in cold calling. Like you've got to make those things like non-negotiable. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it has to be part of your business system. Yeah. Like it's not a question. You need to do the, have it on the calendar. So you're going to do it that day. End of discussion. Right. We talk be about the that type the of time. person that does it. Right. Right. And that's just, you know, you know, when you're looking at everything you have to get done that day, I don't care what else is on there. You, that has to be done. Yeah. End of discussion. Okay. Well, when I pull out my phone, you know what time it is. Yeah. It's time for questions from our community, our mm -hmm. land conquest community. So every episode of the podcast, we do a segment at the end where we pull four of our favorite questions from the community and we discuss them in detail. Are they really your favorite? So like, are there some, like everyone else is just junk. These are your favorite ones. <laughs> no, Heather, come on. I love them all. I there love them go. all. So these are just the first four that I saw. Okay. No, so it's not. <laughs> I tried to pick ones curated. that are. I, I yeah. tried to curate them. Yes. Do questions that are maybe different than we talked about before. Some things that I th think are unique. So. Okay. We'll see. You always throw some curveballs here. So we'll sometimes. find out. Yeah, okay. Sometimes. So Bergen says, when to start building a team? Oh, timely. 
for those of you who already have built a team, when and how did you decide to build one? I feel like I have the profits to start building a team, but not sure if I'm ready for the challenges that come with having a team. Yeah. So I know that there are challenges with building a team. I, I understand that. And and if you've never built a team or you never had employees working for you or whatever, uh, it's, it's a learning curve in order to make that work. I highly, highly suggest if you've got plans to, to increase your business, that you're going to need to figure out how to build a team. So, and the best way to figure it out is to just start small and start a ramp up from there. So I don't suggest you hire a, you know, a, a CEO from the beginning, because you're the CEO, you want to hire someone that's maybe an assistant and give them some, some of those administrative tasks and set them loose, you know? First of all, spend a lot of time actually trying to find the right person, you know? And you can hire someone that's kind of, it's a, it's a lower risk situation if you're hiring some uh, administrative helper, maybe from, from overseas or something mm-hmm. like that. So, you, you know, you're not uh, spending a, an enormous amount of salary on them to begin with. But uh, there are some, some really, really quality workers out there. And um, you just need to spend a little effort to find them. So find someone that you think will be really good and give them some administrative tasks to run with. And if it's not working, then find someone else that, that will work with you know your style or whatever you've got going on. Right, so. partways. Um, I just heard someone say something that they called it a chief excitement officer. Oh, okay. That the CEO should be more about like, you know, leveling up and bringing Thinking bigger vision. in your real estate investment uh-huh, Exactly, as opposed to- executive. And then the other thing too is, yeah, I think that you would, I totally agree with you, start with some sort of assistant because that you want someone who can do a bunch of different things, like take all this busy work off of my table because there's lots of busy work and then go from there. And if it doesn't work part ways and, you know, find somebody else, right? find the right match. But hopefully you find someone great Mm -hmm. and then you build the next team member from there. And the easiest way I've found in order to kind of train that team member to do certain tasks is that uh, you film a loom video, Mm -hmm. like like you going through and doing the job, that way they can review the video 20 times if they need to, you know? Just make sure you kind of lay out all the all the steps on there and you give them that video and set them loose. Right, and you know, people learn different ways too. So I like that because, and I've been there too, where I'm trying to, you know, you want to do really well and you kind of get overloaded when someone's telling you what to do because you're just like right. in that moment. I love the idea of them being able to go back and reference it. Right. So that's on you just as much as it is on them. Right, you and, and you'll find... As you're building out your team and you're building out all your processes, you'll end up with hundreds of these <laughs> Loom videos right. explaining every little detail of the process. And these processes change and evolve over time, but they they will, uh, you know, that's that's a great way to kind of, uh, you know, get all those tasks off your plate. Okay. Uh, so Gabe has a question about abandoned gas well. Has anyone dealt with a property with an abandoned gas well on it? I have a 5.1 acre property well under market value in an industrial area. There are two abandoned gas wells on the property. The owner has not gotten back in touch with me about it, but I wanted to be prepared for the questions. I have environmental concerns and do not want to buy a nightmare. Any ideas on who to call on this? The county? Okay, so there are a couple things that come up about that. And it just this is a little bit different for each area as well. So first thing you want to figure out is like who owns the oil, gas, mineral rights for that area. Mm-hmm. I would imagine if there's a gas well on there, it's possible that the current person that you're buying from owns the, the oil, gas, and mineral rights as well. And that's going to transfer with you. A lot of times what happens is they've sold off or the, that's been sold off for that property many years back. And then there's a different company that has an actual lease on that property that is the basically they have the right to drill on that property for oil or gas anytime they want. 
So the fact that there's an ab abandoned well on there, I'd be real cautious about that. I would, I would assume, and I could be wrong, that probably someone else owns the oil, gas, and mineral rights. They could probably start up at any time. Uh, maybe they found out that that well is not producing anymore. Maybe that's why they stopped. Or who knows what the reason is. But I would dig into who owns the rights first. And even if the seller does own the rights to the well, did they lease out those rights? Mm -hmm. Or if someone else owns the mineral rights, is there a current lease on that? Or are they, you know, basically if someone else owns the rights, they could come back and do something with the property at any time. So if it's just simply a matter of the old equipment there and, and a, a well that needs to be closed off or whatever, there are probably experts in that area that can help mm -hmm. you with that. So you got to do some more research. Right. You, know, you got to figure out what the story is there and then go from there. Yeah, because what you're saying is it's not just the issue of clearing that up or whatever. It's the issue of that you might not be allowed to touch it. Right. And then even if it's an industrial area, uh, you know, a lot of shops probably don't want to have their, you know, parking lot with a gas big, well. Big oil rig there. Yeah. yeah something. So. Yeah. Okay. So that's the, that's the big yeah, issue. Yeah. Do, do more research. Find out who owns those rights mm -hmm. first. Right. Okay, John asks, length of ownership dilemma. Do you use the criteria? Adding just a couple years of ownership as a criteria often cuts the list in half or more depending on the county. PropStream excludes intra-family transfers, so the list is supposed to contain only the actual cash transaction. Mailing the offers to these relatively new owners does not seem a reasonable thing to do. How do you approach and deal with the problem? That's kind of a dilemma for, for me as well. I know sometimes that I don't uh, a lot of times I don't filter out length of ownership because I'm worried about missing those people, you know, like that it was transferred to like a family member inherited it or something mm -hmm. like that. Like, so their length of ownership may be two months, right? but they don't want the property and they're, they're a prime person to want to sell. So if you're looking for a really refined list, if you're, if you're looking to be very um, efficient with your mailing spend, I think it's a pretty good idea to keep that criteria in there. Uh, once you get to the point where you really know an area and you want to do more business in that area, then I might think about removing that filter. Just personally what I do. Like, I, don't, I don't use that filter too much because I'm I'm more of a shotgun approach rather than the sniper approach. Yeah, you so. just throw a net out and see what you catch as mm -hmm. opposed to like... Right, being really refined. But if you have a limited budget for the mail, it's not a big negative to, to right. kind of be really refined on your list. Might make sense so, to yeah. do that. Okay. Um, Cheryl says, title searches. I have a question. When I buy a piece of land to flip, should I be doing the title search first before closing or should I just sell and let the buyer do it as part of their closing? What if there is an issue in the chain of title? Yeah. So you I'm always- I'm glad Cheryl's asking yes, this because this yes. is a big deal. This is a big deal. And this wasn't outlined to me when I first got into the business, but- you should be buying all of your properties through a closing company, meaning escrow, title, attorney, depending on what's typical mm -hmm. for that state. Now, it's not just the title insurance that they issue you as part of that transaction. It's actually the search that they do, which is the really valuable part of it. So they could search the transaction, the, the history on that property and determine that there is a problem with the heirs or there's a problem with the chain of title back then. So that's one thing, like something that could mean that you don't have clear title to a property. So like if you're not going to do that before you buy it, you're basically rolling the dice and just hoping everything's going to be okay because... Let's go into that because say we do it. Let's say you and I just decide we're not married, whatever. You buy my piece of land. Then come to find out, I sell it to you. You think you own it. I gave you the money or you gave me the whatever. And then descendants come back or someone who actually also did the same thing comes back. Well, you're going to get thrown out right? or you're going to have to fight for that. You're going to waste tons and tons of money. Your yeah. money is going to be locked up. 
gone. Yeah, so you might spend a bunch of money for a property mm-hmm. that you don't actually own. Right. It's, now, that it, would suck, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would suck. The other thing is that it, uncover, it uncovers a lot of other things that you should know about a property, mm-hmm. you know? Was there a dump that was previously <laughs> operated on that property? That would be generally recorded against the against the uh, title. You know, all kinds of the different things like this, easements, anything like that, that'll all show, all show up in your title search. So it's it's the search that's the important part. Obviously, you get the insurance as part of it, but, but in reality, if the search was done properly, you're probably not going to have to ever use the title insurance. So, right, and they're not going to insure something that they don't. Right, they feel no very clear. confident about the deal, or they wouldn't issue the insurance. Right, so. and then that insurance <laughs> is kind of a racket. Right, so. only protects um, the cost that you paid too. Right. So let's say something does come up, and the insurance is like, okay, fine, yeah, we made a mistake, we'll cover it. They're going to cover the ten thousand you paid, not the thirty thousand you wanted to sell yeah, it for. Yeah, that you think it's worth. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Very good uh, thing there. So I'm glad she asked the question. So that's about it. That was a, mm-hmm. a good episode today. I love thinking big. I want to talk soon about the different types of mailing stuff. I think mm. I would be fun for me just to like kind of pick your brain on on what we're doing and just your initial impressions. Okay. Well, I've got some homework to do to really, really figure out what what numbers we've got and, and things so far. Okay. So. Well, so it might not be next week, but maybe you don't have homework. Like maybe it would be better just to do kind of more your initial okay. thoughts on it. We could do that. Because I think that we talk about how it's so important to increase your advertising and your marketing or whatever you want to call it, that's probably if a lot of people are thinking grow bigger, okay, let's show me. Yeah. Show me the way. And I'm personally interested in these results because we kept talking about it. We were doing just direct mail and um, and we were like, we shouldn't put all of our eggs in one basket. Let's kind of throw it out there. Yeah. So, so we've got deals coming from basically four different areas now. Right. We've got direct mail, we've got cold calling, we've got pay-per-click, and we've got the partner with Pete program. Correct. Yeah. So, so anyway, so as we kind of finish this up, where can everyone find you? Yeah, basically on um, Instagram, TikTok, I'm at partner with Pete. On YouTube, it's at turning profit. And we've got a lot of other videos on there. So definitely would love for you to subscribe and check it out. And then in the community is a great place to connect. That is landconquest.com. Yep. And uh, real estate investing is more fun with friends. So if you have some friends that would be interested in learning more about it, please share the podcast, share it on YouTube. And Pete appreciates comments as long as they're nice and reviews. Even if they're not nice, I can take it. So I might delete it. No, I'm just joking. I won't delete your comment unless you're a really jer- a real jerk. If you attack his um, his puppies, then yes. Oh you, yeah, that is that's yeah. instant. But anyways, my dogs are my kids, you know. Yeah, your dogs or are your kids. Huh? Or your dogs? Huh? You, did you say your dogs or your kids, or that your dogs are your kids? Dogs or the kids? Okay, I feel yeah. better about that. I'll yeah. let the girls know. Okay. Anyways, thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to talking with you guys next week. Okay, see you then. Bye. Bye. Ready to start turning profit yourself? Head to turningprofit.com to step up your real estate investing game. See you on the next episode.